majesty. It doesn't matter what I have in plan. It doesn't matter what my agenda is, Father. All that matters is, God, is that you filled this room completely with your majesty. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we really sung that from our hearts tonight? Can we sing this? We're going to do this one more time. Can we do this, Jimmy, from the top right here? Father, will you come? Love those hands all over this place. Open up our eyes. Fill us with your heart. Renew us with your life. Show us with your majesty. Show us with your majesty. brought you out of something. Y'all be praising him right now. Amen. He's alive and well tonight. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight if you wish. And we'll have our ushers come forth tonight. We're going to take up our offering. Amen. Amen. Doesn't matter what you have to give tonight, but it matters the heart in which you give it tonight. Amen. Amen. We're going to bless this offering. We're going to ask God to multiply it do greater things that we could ever do we keep it to ourselves because how many know it's not about building the castle tonight it's about building his kingdom amen kingdom oriented amen so let's pray over this offering father we love you lord we pray god that you would take this offering father that you would bless it god you would shake it god Lord, you would multiply it lord and you would do things incredible things god not in just this region god in this church lord but lord all over the globe god tonight bless this offering lord in which we give it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is your opportunity to give tonight. Amen. Amen. We all got to be here at his house tonight. I'm looking forward to tonight. I believe God's going to use us tonight. He's going to speak a word. Amen. Can we give it up one more time for the praise and worship tonight? They work really hard. These guys maybe don't get enough credit probably a little bit guilty of that. 
But uh, I love these guys up here. I love all the singers, all the musicians, stuff, and they work really hard. And uh, it helps when they're anointed. Amen. Amen. How many enjoyed their their ministry? Amen. I do. I do. Amen. That's fine. Give it up for them. Um, Pastor Brian asked me to. He gave me the opportunity to speak tonight, and uh, I jumped on it without telling anybody because I wanted people to show up. And uh, <laughs> now he he approached me, or actually he texted me and he said, "Hey, would you would you mind uh, giving a word for Wednesday night?" And I jumped right on the opportunity. So I consider it. Uh, a blessing because uh, since I've been here, and this is not me um, getting brownie points, and I've told him this multiple times, I'm telling you, since I've been here, it feels like I'm at this never-ending conference that has this awesome preaching all the time. So I'm very thankful, and I don't take this lightly. I've got some powerful words and revelations out of this pulpit, and I'm thankful for a pastor that leads this church, and he has spoken in my life. So I don't take it lightly. It's a blessing. So, um, so it's on camera. Thank you, Pastor Brian. We love you. Um, but we have an awesome pastor, amen? We have awesome staff, and I'm so proud, uh, so amped to be a part of it. So uh, if you don't know a whole lot about me, I'm the crazy dude on Sunday that is running back and forth in between Sunday school and worship rehearsal, And uh, uh, but I'm Pastor Matt. It's, it's good to meet you if you haven't met me officially. <laughs> uh, but I'm honored to be here tonight. If you don't know a whole lot about me, uh, so a background check, uh, I grew up in church all my life, believe it or not. You may not believe that the way I act sometimes. But I, I grew up in church all my life. I knew all the right things to say. I knew when to lift my hands at the right time. When the big, when I knew when this, anybody remember that song? There is a fountain. Man, when they went back into that, man, I was the first one up and I was a sinner. <laughs> okay, so I knew how to play church perfectly. Uh, but thankfully, man, God has really transformed my life. I remember it was my junior year in high school officially, man. I started living it. And now I've never looked back. He's delivered me so much stuff. And uh, I'm just thankful for his service, that he is using somebody as jacked up as me, as messed up of a person as I am, that he can still use me. Amen. Amen. Um, so if uh, I've, I've been in youth ministry, man, for a while. I really have. Uh, I've, been, I've been in it a while. I've ministered basically up and down the East Coast with, uh, with Rod Justice. Uh, he, he's another guy, a pillar of my life that's kind of spoken to my life. And, man, I've seen it all. And I want to kind of let you into my world tonight. Uh, I wish I could bring the house down like Pastor Ron, man, because he gets on a roll, and I'm just waiting on the organ to get going. We ain't got no organ player. But, like, I mean, he just gets on a roll. I wish I could have that kind of T.D. Jakes fire, man. I wish I could be, like, really intellectual like, you know, some people. But I'm just going to be real tonight. I'm going to let you into my world and let you know how I speak and let you know how I deal with things and how I deal with the generation that God has called us to be warriors and prayer warriors and be utilized in these last days. Amen. So I'm going to let you my world tonight. I've seen a generation across this East Coast in this community, this region, man. And I'll tell you, we got bigger problems than just smoking in the boys' room and putting chewing gum underneath desktops. And we got kids that are addicted to heroin. We got pre, I mean, there's pressure out there. There's pure, there's pure pressure for premarital sex. I mean, you, you know, your kids, they deal with it. And the thing is, you act like, you know, I've met people, oh, well, we can't say this stuff in church. Well, we better start talking about it because we're going to lose a generation if we don't. Amen. So this is my world tonight. I mean, I, I, we, we deal with things back here, and hopefully i got a word for you tonight. And I, I really want to talk about an issue that not only I see it in my generation, I see it in the generation that I'm speaking to tonight, and I see it especially in youth, but we have kind of this distorted view of Jesus 
that he, or we got this distorted view of God that he's this angry old man. He's waiting on top of a cloud with lightning bolts by his side, a rolled up newspaper, getting ready to smack us over the head because we're just so unworthy and we screw up so much. And I'm here to tell you tonight, that's not the God I serve tonight. I serve a God who's merciful. I serve a God who is rooting for me, who wants to see me succeed, who has awesome plans for my life. That's the God I believe. That's the God I serve tonight. Amen. But we, we have this, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's maybe we've made it, my generation's made it, I don't know. But we have this distorted view. And see, I grew up in church all my life. I, I knew how to play church. And the thing is, I have a problem sometimes, and even to this day, at times, I still have a problem with it. See, I, I can understand to be forgiven. I understand what it means to be accepted by Jesus Christ. Amen. Anybody been bought with the blood? Amen. See, I can understand. I can understand theology, you know, theologically. I can understand biblically, methodically, whatever, audically. I can understand it. I get it. I know what it means when the Bible says you are forgiven. I understand the concept of forgiveness. But the thing we deal with, maybe as a church, maybe as youth, maybe as whatever individually, we struggle with the approval sometimes. See, I know he accepts me, but is he annoyed by me? Am I just in the way? And I want to debunk, I want to defunk this thing tonight, this myth that God is not cosmically just frustrated with his church, but he wants us to succeed today. He ain't mad at you. Amen. Who am I talking to tonight? But we serve a God that has awesome plans for our lives. But we have this distorted view of this face that he's constantly looking back at us and saying, man, that was stupid. You'll never own up. You'll never measure up. And I want to talk about that tonight because that's not the God I serve tonight. Not one bit. So the text I want to talk out, out, out of tonight is uh, John chapter 21. If you want to go there, just John chapter 21. Just hold it right there. And um, we just have this weird view. And I don't know what it is. And I meet so many kids that said, Matt, this Christian walk is just way too hard. I can never live up to it. This is way too hard. This is not meant for me. And I'm dealing with the frustrated kids. I'm, I'm dealing with frustrated students. And I'm dealing with maybe some frustrated leaders sometimes that say, this is too hard. I'm calling it quits. I can't live up to this expectation. And we kind of have like this relationship. You remember I have like the flowers like, he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And you laugh, but so many times we live our lives this way and we're miserable. There's no power in our lives. It's like holding somebody a stagnant glass of water and it's got dust all over. So he drink and see the Lord's good. They drink and said, this stinks. We say, isn't this great? Isn't this great? Look at the life I'm leading. And we're miserable. And we wonder why people don't want the life that we're living. He's real. He's more than that tonight. So John chapter 21 so we kind of find Jesus kind of like in this transient period. He's kind of appearing to his disciples and let them know, hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm not. Hey, I'm here. And so we find Peter. I want to talk about Peter tonight. I wish I could be more like somebody else in the Bible. I wish I could say, well, I kind of feel like I'm Abraham. I'm really faithful like Abraham. I'm, I'm really obedient like Moses. But really, I relate to Peter a whole lot because Peter is spastic. If you know me, you know I'm Peter. I'm spastic. And I can relate a lot to this guy, and we're going to talk about some. So we find Peter in kind of this awkward situation. John chapter 21, we're coming into it. And Peter is going to be a major player in God's kingdom, and he's going to be a major role player in the future. And he really doesn't know that. Um, he really doesn't certainly feel that way. But Paul and Peter are going to be the two figureheads in the church. 
And they're going to bring about God's community here on earth. He's going to establish God's early church, and he's going to use Peter to do that along with Paul. Peter doesn't know that. He doesn't feel that way at all. But Peter's mindset at this time is wondering, hey, what next great thing am I going to do? What next great conference am I going to speak at? I wonder if I'm going to have a cut of worship album. I don't know. Greater things I'll do, he said. He's not thinking that. Because we find Peter in a very human stage at this moment. Peter has just screwed up royally. And he's not wondering these things. He's wondering if he really actually has a place in ministry. If he really actually has a place in the church, let alone continuing, you know, traveling the earth and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ with his fellow disciples. I mean, Peter has screwed up royally. Anybody screwed up royally tonight? So coming into chapter 21, yeah, yeah, y'all holy on me now. Uh, Coming into chapter 21, Peter has screwed up royally, and we read here, it's out of Luke. You don't have to turn there, so I'll just read it for you. After they arrested Jesus, they led him away and brought him to the high priest's house. Peter followed from a distance. When they lit a fire in the middle court and sat down together, Pete said, uh, said among them, Did a servant woman or a servant girl saw him sitting in the firelight? She stared at him and said, This man was with him too. But Peter denied it by the firelight. He said, Girl, you are crazy. I don't know what you're, you are cray cray. I don't know what you're talking about. Just get up out of my grill. Get out of my face. You can tell I'm a youth pastor. Follow me. It's lingo tonight. You're crazy. So he denies her. A little while later, someone else saw him and said, you're the one of them too. But Peter said, man, I'm not. I don't know what you're talking about. Get out of my face. An hour or so later, someone else insisted this man must have been with him because he's a Galilean too. Peter responded, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And at the very moment while he was still speaking, as the last word left his mouth, hmm, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Can you imagine that moment for a second? And Peter remembered the Lord's words. Before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and cried uncontrollably. So we find Peter, man, this is bad. This is a grown man at a bonfire. Who knows? At a bonfire. And he just completely denied Jesus. Just wigged out completely to a middle school girl. This is bad. Man, when Peter goes good, he goes good. But man, when Peter goes bad, he goes bad. Can I talk to anybody tonight for a second? I can relate to him, man. I'm 100 miles an hour one way, and I'm 100 miles an hour another way. You've seen me walk this church floor before, right? But Peter just screws up royally here. So this is pretty low-level stuff. He's denying him to a middle school girl. And plus, when he's kind of talking, this is kind of the, the Disney version. Who knows what came out of Peter's mouth, honestly? It could have been explicit. So, I mean, he, this dude is just, he's completely making himself look like a mess. And you've got to be in Peter's mindset for a second. This is going to be the trial of the century. We're talking Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. Uh, that's a joke. The trial of the century. Anybody remember the OJ trial, right? Man, that was, I mean, my mom watched it. Like, she was actually, like, in the jury. I'm like, Mom, make me something to eat. I'm starving. She's like, hold on, hold on. Judge Lance Ito is talking. Oh my gosh, she had like a uniform. My brother can testify that she had like the OJ trial uniform. She wore it nonstop. I'm like, have you showered in a month? I'm going to get in trouble for that one. But you understand for a second, this is the trial of the century. This is the biggest trial in the nation. So you understand Pete's mindset. He's falling back. Hey, I love Jesus. You know, I love him. But he, honestly, he probably don't want me to get drugged into this. I'm going to lay cool for a minute. I'm just going to deny it. He knows I love him. That's one mindset. But here's another. 
you've really got to relate to him for a second. If that was you, you'd say, like, well, I would, I would never. I would, I would never. Yeah, because you knew, you know, I would never do that. It's Jesus we're talking about, man. I mean, come on. That's faith. <clears throat> I'm a Christian. Are you? Because let's get real for a second. That's pretty scary, man. You may get bad. You may go to jail. You're going to lose your friends, your family. Everybody's going to betray you, point fingers. Pretty scary stuff, right? He's human. But can you imagine the letdown feeling, the betrayal Peter probably is going through his mind, the, the letdown, the anticipation, the embarrassment, the disappointment, and the discouragement he was going through. See, the thing is about Peter, Peter is very vocal. Me. Very vocal. He's humorous. I, I can imagine Peter, you know, if they're traveling, you know, the countryside or, you know, they get put up for the night with Jesus. He's always got the disciples around. He's making people laugh. He's a good, lovable guy. Hopefully. But Peter's a natural-born leader. He's a very outspoken man. When he does something, he's like, boom, I'm going to go do this. Awesome. You should come do it, because I'm so awesome. He's a natural-born leader. Just this is Peter's mindset. This is kind of his jurisdiction here. And you read on a passage you go on to read, and it says this, like, well, okay, he's, he's just going to go fishing after this, evidently. It's not because Peter is just, you know what? I just made a mess back there. I just got a hankering to go fishing. And we read that, and honestly, when I read this when I first got saved, it, I was just like, what? It didn't make sense to me. It didn't add up. It actually says this. We'll read it. It says, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, some other guys. Simon Peter told them, I'm going fishing. And they said, well, we'll go with you because Peter was very influential, very influential around him. So, But what we fail to look at is Peter just isn't going off just to, because he's got a hanker to go fishing. He hasn't been in a few years. He's been traveling a lot. It's not really that. And it's not really because he's really just going to blow off steam. It's a lot deeper than that tonight. And this is what I want to talk about. Peter just isn't blown off steam. He's... We've, we've talked about this. Peter is actually going back to the same thing Jesus called him out of. How many of y'all can relate that tonight? Jesus met and called out Peter. Same scenario. He was in a boat, called him out of it. Peter has returned to the very thing Jesus called him out of. And Peter is basically saying this. I've had a rough situation. Look, I didn't handle it perfectly. Nobody's perfect. You know, this is the biggest story in the nation. I can't do this anymore. This is too hard. I can't handle the expectation. I'm just going fishing. I failed at this. I'm checking out. I'm done. I'm done. I failed at it. I'm an ultimate failure. I'm out. I asked him, have you ever gone fishing tonight? And I'm not talking about... I'm talking about fishing spiritually, mentally, emotionally, sometimes physically. You just checked out. I'm out. This is too hard. I'm going to fail at it anyways. Anybody been there by a show of hands real quick? If you don't care, man, I've been there. Some of you might be there tonight. And what's amazing is you can go fishing. You can check out completely. Check out completely. You can have it all messed up, jacked up, frustrated. When we come to church, act like everything's together because we got to keep up appearances, right? We can't be real. God forbid we be real in front of our brethren tonight. God forbid we don't have it all together. God forbid that God gets glory at something that's so jacked up and he gets glory because they get used. But no, we got it all together because we're perfect. We're perfect tonight. Wrong. We can be in the right place internally and be completely wrong. 
We can be completely wrong internally and be in the right place externally. See, some of y'all might be coming here on Sunday and say, yeah, I'm going to highlight my Bible. I'm going to make sure somebody sees it. I'm going to get the brightest pink highlighter you've ever seen. Boom. That was a good one. Did you see me do that? Booyah. Raise your hand. You may say amen. You may sing the praise and worship songs. You may actually give to missions. Hey, man, you might organize a coat drive. You actually might lead a life group in this church. You might go to life groups. You might sing a worship song or two. You might be on the drama team. Awesome. You might be on shock and all team. You might be in one of these ministries in this church. You might actually pray for other people and you're living this lie and you're living this life. But let's be honest for a minute, because sometimes you walk into this place with your fishing gear on, you're halfway down the dock and you're casting your line out saying, I'm done. I'm done. This isn't fun anymore. I can't do it. I don't fit in with like these spiritual people, man. I can't live up to the expectations. I can't measure up. I'll never be asked. I know Pastor Brian has these awesome sermons. You lead worship and it's great. People get saved. Everything seems great. Their family's put together. Their parents aren't divorced. They look like they're happy. They love their kids. They got a steady job. They got an annual income. They don't have to worry about finances. Everything's great. They smell good. They drive nice cars. Everything's great. Everything's great. Me, I'm out. Because I'm dying inside. I can't take it. We read about Peter and we wonder like, man, he's really messed up. And what we fail to realize is we're doing the same thing repeatedly sometimes Peter's doing. Amen. But see, I have, I have clearly met people who said, I'm going fishing. <laughs> Completely. And a lot of times those people are teenagers. They will walk up to you students like, hey. I just, uh, I'm not coming to church tonight, but I just come tell you that this is stupid. Oh, this is stupid. And it's too hard. I can't live by your rules. I'm going to do what I want. Matter of fact, I'm going to go out and smoke right now. Maybe. So, thanks, Pastor Matt. Later. I've had that happen to me. <laughs> I'm like, let's slow down a second. What? They'll just be blatant with you, man. They'll tell you. Like, hey, look, I'm going to go live this way. I can't abide by your rules. This is way too hard. Matt, I, I want to be the party king, man. Okay, I, I got to be popular in school. I'll be the party king. I, I want to go have premarital sex. I want to go drink. Maybe drive. Out of, this is fun. This is not fun what you're doing. What you're giving to me is too hard. I can't live up to it. So, now, dogs, y'all are sneaky. You're sneaky. You just stop showing up all together and be like, ah, uh, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Teenagers flat out tell you, I'm out. This ain't working. I'm out. And so let's establish something here. We find Peter. Peter knows what he's doing in the boat. Obviously, he's trying to escape his problems. And Jesus knows why Peter's in the boat. He knows. See, the disciples, they don't know it's Jesus on the shore yet, but we know because we've read on. And the first word Jesus says to him, I like to think it goes like this. Jesus on the shore, they're out there fishing. He goes, hey, dudes, bros, homeboy, yo, for real guys, this is what you're doing? Really? Come on, for real? No, Jesus says this, and I thought it was pretty funny. He says, children, (laughs) 
children, kids. Now, wait a minute. You might think that might be demeaning, but sit back for a second. Children, that's an identity role for a minute. That's inclusive. That's a family term. That's an identity role that I need filled. He's talking to me. He's talking to me tonight. He says, children, have you caught anything to eat? And they answered, uh, uh, no, no, no. You know, isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? We find ourselves sometimes when we're trying to run away from our problems. It should be the first place. The first person we go to is Jesus. We, we run complete opposite. Complete opposite. And we're just like Samson. When Samson was returned to that carcass and he was trying to feed himself, trying to sustain himself, and he broke a covenant. Let me tell you something. Somebody needs to hear this tonight. The covenant tonight isn't broken because you fall short of his glory. We have all done that. But the covenant is broke when you do a 180 and run the opposite way and says, God, this has more power because I'm such a mess, you can't fix it. Thanks anyways. We're no different. We're no different. There's nothing back there. When God calls you out of something, there's nothing to go back to. But we do it repeatedly. So Jesus, he's saying, hey, have you caught anything? And basically they say, no, for a second, you think he's actually talking about fish. But basically what Jesus is saying is like, hey, kids, how's your escape mechanism going? Working out good for you? How's your guilt feel on your shoulders? Is that awesome? Is shame, is condemnation feel everything it should be, everything you hoped it would be? How's it working out for you? Who wants to live like that? And so suddenly we realize, okay, wait a minute. This isn't about fish, but this is about God and people and people and God for a second. They look around at each other. And they're like, we, we, we got nothing. We got nothing. Jesus, just uh, listen. Take your net. Put on the other side. Go up maybe a few inches. Just the other side. Huh? The other side. So they put it over and instantly fish. Fish appear. They all look around like, oh my gosh. John knows. John says, it's him. It's him. This isn't about fish anymore. It's about God and people. So now we have a situation. You can matter what Peter's going through for a second. And I'm going to take you back to high school or middle school. Everybody, everybody broke up with an ex. Everybody broke up. Hopefully you broke up with an ex. Everybody broke up. You had that awkward moment. You go to a dance. You just broke up. Or, or you know, and they're in that same room and you've got to face them. And it's just kind of awkward. Isn't that weird? Anybody going, please, please. Ain't nobody done that before. You're like, I just broke up with her. She is psycho. I don't know what she's going to do. She may pull a punch on me. I don't know. But it's just that you're going to have to face them, right? Or maybe you've, you've hurt somebody, not intentionally, but, man, they're hurt, and you got to face them in the same room. Weird and awkward. So you can imagine what Peter's going to be. Peter is flipping out, man. He's like, okay, I've denied him three times, obviously. What am I, obviously, it's Jesus. What am I going to do? And he is just beside himself. What do you say in that moment? What do you say in that moment? So Peter loses. He's beside himself. Peter knows what's going on. 
And isn't it funny sometimes when we're going through something, we try to run away. We try to solve our problems by ourselves, and we realize, has anybody been in, in this situation before you come to church and you're trying to keep it all together? It feels like somebody's talking directly to you. It's like the praise and worship just works out that night. It's talking exactly what you're walking through. You're like, I told you that not to tell nobody. And they're, they're singing these praise and worship songs. They're talking, they're singing about me. You see something like, dude, that is, you see something like on a billboard like, for real, God, for real, that's not blatant enough. You're talking right at me. Has anybody been there before? Just me? Just me? I hope not. But you get to have a song or a word or a picture, man, it's crazy. And in the story, we find Jesus. I want to tell you something. Jesus loves his other disciples. Don't get me wrong. But what this is really about, and this is my opinion, this may be just about Peter and Jesus and Jesus and Peter and letting Jesus work in Peter's life. And Peter realizing, I might still have a place for a second. See, here's the thing, man. Peter's mindset is this. Here he is. He showed up. Where I was trying to get away, he calls out to where the first place he called me out years ago. He met me in the same spot. He met me in the same scenario, the same place, the same thing, the same lifestyle, the same sin, the same condemnation. Where he met me years ago and called me out for a new life. The same spot, same thing. And in a moment where Jesus should be looking down on us or looking down on Peter and condemning him, what's he doing? What's he doing? Making breakfast. Serving him. Making breakfast like Mama. I'll tell you something. I was a rascal, man. Okay, I go stay at Mama's with my cousin. I was just crazy, wild child. But I knew Mama's going to make me breakfast in the morning. I don't care how bad I was. She's going to break out them English muffins and a honey bunch of oats and scrambled eggs with Papa. I was going to get some breakfast. No matter how honored I was. So here she is just cooking breakfast like his mama. Just crazy because he's family. He's family. Jesus finally says, hey, hey, listen. Once you all come up ashore, bring the fish y'all caught. But notice some Jesus don't use the fish they caught because God doesn't need us. He wants us. Already prepared. So they get there and obviously they, they all know it's Jesus by this point And they're just kind of sitting there. I can imagine, you know, Jesus... You know, he just does exceedingly abundantly, so he's got some flowers set up. I don't know. There's just like a tablecloth, something nice, and the breakfast smells great. And he's just kind of whipping up. I'll be, I'll be back in a second. He's just whipping up, and they're all sitting there like. So you can imagine Peter's just sitting there going, gosh. The disciples are like, this ought to be interesting. You did it. But. For real, without being funny, for can you imagine what Peter's going through? What's, what, what do you say? So Jesus, you know, he gets their plates and he brings it up. He's like, all right, omelets, boom, boom. He's serving it up and everybody's just eating and it's just this awkward chewing. It's, nobody's talking. It's good. It's real good. Breakfast finishes up, and Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter. Peter's like, Peter. Pete. Pete. You love me? Peter's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I love you. 
Peter, you love me. Yeah, yeah. Lord, I love you. I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, <laughs> I love you. I love you. And we find this, it, it's kind of annoying. And the thing is, Jesus doesn't ask questions because he needs answers to them. But Jesus asks questions because he's trying to make a point in Peter's life. And see, here's the thing. And so many times we're in this moment, we screw up and we think it's, we, we're thinking God's getting ready to ridicule us. We, we, we feel so dirty and we are. We get it. But thank God we're covered in his righteousness tonight. Thank God for grace. But the thing is, if I would raise my child, everybody knows who Harper is, right? She's the cute little thing that's like Monsters, Inc. Boo, running around the church. If I would raise my kid and every time she screwed up, I would bring up her past that, hey, you remember that time you put that in the toilet? Pretty dumb, right? I love you, though. Hey, you remember that one time that uh, you threw away that very important bill that we lost and then we had to pay extra money? Way to go, Einstein. I love you, though. If I kept raising her and kept teaching my child that's how I loved her and kept bringing up her past mistakes and saying, you did this, you were wrong, but hey, I forgive you. Is that love? Because let me tell you something, I face students. See, I can talk about a father's love all I want, but when I have a student that's raised up in a broken home, that's, that's raised up in a crack house, and their parents know where to be found. And their father, the only thing is, hey, he has a fatherly love towards you. And the only fatherly love they can relate to is a father who's molested them eight times consecutively. So you understand their view of a fatherly love is a little bit distorted. Yeah, it just got deep. But it's real. And it all relates back to... Even people in church, even us as a church body and people out there, they have a distorted view and we should have the best view of it. We have a distorted view of Jesus. He's constantly looking back at us going, get it together, will you? You're screwing up too much. Yeah, we've all fallen short. I get it. But Jesus, in this moment, he didn't bring up Peter's mistakes over breakfast. He didn't throw back the lowest point in Peter's life in front of everybody. He didn't say, look, I told you so. I told you so. Look, I told you this was going to happen. And if memory serves me correct, Pete, you said, I'll never do that. But you did it anyways. Way to blow it. And the thing is, you tell me you love me. Well, if you love me, it, you probably would have handled it a little bit. He didn't do that. He doesn't do it. If you really love me, you'd handle it a little bit better. I got this funny story, man. I'm, I'm closing here. I promise I'll shut up. But we were down at uh, Virginia Beach, and uh, this is going to be a classic. My family. Uh, Harper was, she's still little. This is only like, was it last year, a couple years ago? I don't know. But um, we go down there for a long weekend, a spring break, and we have Harper. And I said, man, let's go eat So I mean, we always eat good, you know, whatever. You just go, that's all vacation is. It's not really doing different things. It's just eating places you haven't been before. You know, that's really what vacation is. Like, oh, well, if they're going to have a snack bar, we should go eat there. Oh, we probably grab something to eat after we eat, right? That's all vacation is, right? So we go, and I was like, man, I've never been to a Ruth Chris steakhouse, and we're going to go. We're going to have some steak. It's going to be good. 
let's go. So we roll, we get up. And, man, we didn't pack, understand, we didn't pack these, like, exquisite dining clothes, okay? We're talking beach bums, okay? All right, I, I'm look, look, we, we roll up to Ruth Chris. I see it. Boom, there it is, baby, Parker Carver. So excited. Like, this is going to be so good. My cousin talked about this, man. They got steaks as thick as my head. It's going to be awesome. So we go up to it. We walk in. We're like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> right? Dude, they have, like, the priest with, like, the, the tie on, you know, the low glasses and stuff. There's light music playing. I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> Go in. We're like, yeah. And at this point, Harper's discovered this new talent she has. Okay, she's walking in there, and she, she busts through the room. Any room she's in, she does an inch of sense and goes, <laughs> So she busts through the, the, the restaurant doors, and she goes, and I'm like, I'm trying to skip. Yo, we had a reservation for three, and my little kid comes in and goes, pigtails are, Whoa! We're really classy, really classy. And the um, thing is, we have jeans on. I have, like, this army, like, derby hat on, man. And my only thing is, like, oh, baby, just chill out. Chill out. I'll tell them I'm a rock star. We're just on tour or something. I'll tell yeah, tell them I'm an American Idol or something. Well, I played off. I'll sign some. That's my only alibi. So we sit down. We're like, I'm like, no, we're going to eat. I want to eat the steak so bad. I don't care what we look like. And Tiffany's looking across like, we don't belong here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, so here's the thing that we go on. We we even get to the point of ordering. Our dude was very nice, our waiter and stuff, and he could tell us, like, you didn't pack any good clothes. We're like, no. So so we're ordering stuff and just getting the cover. We're getting looks, okay? People are having anniversaries. I mean, people have, like, polos on, nice country club. Socialization. <laughs> right? So it's very uppity, and we're just sitting. My wife is just Tiffany sitting there just going, Gosh, everybody's looking at us. Harper's going, ding, 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 ding. on like the glasses. She's playing drums. I'm just like, eh, it'll be okay. We can play this off. Wrong. <laughs> so we get the bride and this is terrible. And don't act like you ain't never done this, parents. Don't act like you're holier than me. Don't act like you're better than me because you're not. Okay. So here's the thing, man. Harper starts going, oh, I gotta use the bathroom. I gotta use the bathroom. So we're like, opportunity we could say she's gonna have an accident we better go so literally we use my kid as a scapegoat okay <laughs> we're like oh yeah she's she's getting half an accident we gotta go just don't, don't worry about it we'll come back yeah whatever so we're getting out and the funny thing is we, we end up going to like a pf change this kind of laid back casual chinese food and this is how funny god works yeah she actually had an accident at pf Chang's, and we end up having to leave her like thanks a lot didn't get to eat real good food tonight. You blew it! I love you. Right? But I look back at that, and the thing is this. I found myself, and it's, it's a funny story now, but the feeling of not being accepted in that room was not because we didn't know our worth. Because me and Tiffany, we gone to college. We God's blessed us with really good, steady jobs. I mean, we live comfortable. Amen. I thank you for that. So we wasn't uncomfortable because we didn't know our worth. or We, we weren't uncomfortable. We, we, we didn't feel out of place because we didn't know how to speak or really carry ourselves well in a room like that. What made us uncomfortable was because we felt we didn't belong. Isn't that weird? And see, so many of us, we grow up in church or we, we have these 50-year-long relationship with the Lord and we say, oh, my God, I'm holy. That's great. But we come to, we've been seated at his table for years and we sometimes we still feel like we don't belong. 
And Jesus died for that moment to say, you belong. Sit here. Take my place. Take my righteousness. Take my name. Ask anything to my Father above, and he'll give it to you. And so many times we're living a lie. We're not walking in promises because I don't feel like I belong. Why? Why are we not living out the promises Jesus died to give us? Why? See, man, we'll believe We'll believe the, the weather. We'll believe Tony Cavalier before we believe anything. The Bible says that the speak in our lives, by our stripes, you're healed. We're like, well, maybe for you, not for me. I'm too unholy. We'll take the weather man at his report and say, I believe that, but we won't believe the report of the Lord. God forbid that happens. God forbid we start living and walking by faith. Hmm. See, he's making a point here to tell Peter, Peter, you belong. You screwed up royally. I get that. I knew it was going to happen. But what I'm trying to prove a point to you is this. Belong. You belong. And what's Jesus doing in this moment? He's not condemning him. He's not making fun of him. He's not bringing up his past mistakes. He's saying, I'm feeding him. I'm feeding you. He's serving. He's nursing. He's strengthening him. He's giving him exactly what he needs in a moment of weakness, in a moment of despair, in the moment of embarrassment, in the moment of his shame and his condemnation. He says, I'm not here to do that. I've made all things new. I've made all things new. He's assuring him, you have a plate at my table, buddy, because I've got big plans for you. You may not think it now. You may not think much of yourself now, but I see greatness all over you, Peter. And I've called you to be more what you're acting like right now. See, some of us think we're going to have this moment, this God moment, where we kind of hits upside our head in church like, oh, yeah, this is when I have that face-to-face encounter with you, Jesus. But a lot of times Jesus is wanting to meet you in a Starbucks parking lot. He's wanting to meet you at Target. He's wanting to meet you in your your cubicle at work. He's wanting to meet you on your way to work. He's wanting to meet you while you're sitting on your bleachers watching your kid play t-ball. That's where he's wanting to call you out of. While you sit in your condemnation, you say, I'm not good enough. I can't take it. I'm going fishing. I'm out. It's too hard, man. Because he's got something good cooking up for you. He's got something good on the other side of that shore that he called you out of. Saying, come eat. Just come eat. See, I relate the best way I can. Life experiences. I've lived it this way. And it ain't fun. It ain't fun. And what grieves me so much is when people see a weak church and they see Christians living their lives miserable this way. And it's almost like we're believing in a God that's really not real because we don't let him take control of our shame. We don't really take, we don't let him take control of our, of our condemnation, of our mess-ups, of our past failures. We don't let him take control of it. And we say, look how powerful he is. He's like, well, you're not letting him do anything. Why would I want to live my life that way? It ain't real. I'm out. And we wonder, like, well, it's just not working. Let go and let God tonight. Stop trying to do it by yourself. Defeats the purpose of grace tonight completely defeats it. I'll close with this. So many times we come to his house and we look, we're dirty, I get it. But we look at everything we're not when really we should be looking up with our eyes on Jesus and say, God, everything you are, 
It's greater than everything I'm not. Make me more like you because I can't do it by myself. I'm just like Peter. I don't have it all together. But where God gets glory is when people say there ain't no way God can use something like that. I knew how they used to be. I knew how you used to be, man. I knew how you used to walk. You used to talk. I knew who you used to run around with. And now you're doing this. I'm like, yeah. That's where he gets glory. God doesn't use perfect people. He doesn't use perfect people. Let me tell you something, man. I got a scar right here. Three years old. Fell down the stairs. Hit my face on the on edge of a, of a paint can or whatever. Eric remembers that. I screwed my head off bloody mirror. I still have it. What would be crazy for me to be if I would cut this half of my face off and say, this is unusable because I have scars. It's imperfect. It's a blemish on me. And some of you are not involved. Some of you are not leading the life that God has called you to live completely and more abundantly because you're saying, I messed up. I got scars. I got blemishes on my life. Well, yeah, who don't? Because I know somebody who has ultimate scars tonight, who has the power to erase everything. God doesn't call his church to be perfect tonight, but he does call us to be functional. It'd be crazy for me to do that. So tonight I want to give you an opportunity to say, Matt, man, this is me. I'm trying to do it by myself. I'm, I'm running away every time I screw up. I'm confiding in something else. Maybe it's a stronghold. Maybe it's addiction. I don't care what it is tonight. Let's get it right. Let's drop it at his feet and say, Father, no more. Take it away. Take it from my hands, Lord. I can't do this by myself. You say, Matt, I don't know what the heck you're talking about tonight. I don't know who Jesus is. I never want to close a service without giving you opportunity to meet Jesus face to face because he's in this room tonight with his arms wide open saying, come to me. Bring me your shame. Bring me your screw-ups. Bring me your life and let me transform it. I want to help you. Let's do this. With everybody's eyes closed all over this house tonight, say, Matt, this is me tonight. I want to open up this altar. If you say, Matt, this is me, I feel like I'm just treading water. I just got my head above water. I'm gasping for air. I can't breathe spiritually. I feel like I'm just screwing up all the time. I'm drowning. I can't get it right. I can't get it right. I may never get it right. If that's you tonight, just make eye contact with me all over this house. If that's you, I see it. I see it. I see it. I see it. You can put your eyes on your head down. Say, man, I need Jesus in this place. I want this God you're talking about that can offer me a new life. This is you. Make eye contact with me real quick. I see you. I see you. This is what we're going to do. We're going to open up this altar right here. But what I want us to do is just pray this corporately. Say, Father, I need you. I need you, Father, to enter my life because it's not working out the way I'm doing things. I've tried and I fail. And my sin is crippling me. And my shame is drowning me. And I need a Savior. I ask you to reach down and save me tonight. Enter my heart. Change my life. Change my thought pattern. Come be king of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody looking up at me. If you said that tonight, I got great news for you, man. You are part of a royalty family. You got royal running through your veins tonight. You're part of something special. You're heirs to the throne tonight. You're a part of heaven, amen.
That's good stuff tonight. Listen, if you need prayer tonight, I'm available. There's, there's leaders all over this, this house tonight. I guarantee you we'll meet here at the altar. But here's what I want us to do. Let's, we're going to sing a song here. We're going to let the Lord have his way. If you need prayer tonight, this altar is open.